Last week, you may have heard about a trucker convoy heading to the border to protest how out of hand the border has gotten under this administration. It likely didn't change the mind of a single far-left politician sitting comfortably in D.C., but it did achieve this. The convoy was one more visual example of just how fed up Americans are with the ruling elite class. With the only real accomplishment seems to be destroying not only this nation, but the West from the inside out. No, this is not just an American problem. In fact, hardworking citizens throughout the globe on the West are tired and desperate for a new way. Tonight, we begin with a massive movement from the world's farmers, because what they're protesting is about to affect every single citizen on planet Earth. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program for television. We are uh, sitting in New Haven, Connecticut. I beg your pardon for not being at the studio, but uh, my father-in-law is um, fighting for his life right now at Yale New Haven Hospital. And uh, I would ask for your prayers for him and the family. I should hopefully be back next week. Now, a few weeks ago, I showed you the real economic numbers from last year. And despite all of the Biden administration, the gaslighting that is going on everywhere, you and I know the reality. You know it when you walk into a grocery store. Things cost more than they used to. They're getting bad. But I believe in 2025, for sure, they're going to get a lot worse. 2023 showed us the ramification of the Great Reset, what it's doing to our economy. But 2024 will be the year that those who are affected first, the people that the elites see as the little guys, will begin to push back. And I'll show you how and why later in the show. It is so important that we stop looking at this as Trump-Biden, Democrat-Republican. It's not. It is the elite versus the everyday person. Um, They're making decisions that, to me, don't make any sense. Maybe they do to you. Massive social engineering on a global scale, that's what's taking place, and it comes with a lot of pain. History has shown us time and time again what's in store for us when words like these are spoken. Watch. Our food systems are harming the health of people and planet. Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions and account for almost one-third of the global burden of disease. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting towards healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. I urge you to do your own homework. I don't ask for your trust. I want you to go to the World Health Organization. That was the head of the World Health Organization. I want you to go to the World Economic Forum and look at the redesigning of farming and our whole food system, they claim, from seed to fork. Okay, Uh, well, they're starting with the farming and the ranching, and this means feeding our families, and that unfortunately stands in way of the progress. 30% of greenhouse gases come from farms. Now, where have I heard that? Surely uh, I haven't heard that from the Biden administration or any other administration. Somebody from a Looney Tune International Organization is one thing, but I'm sure people in our government would not talk about this, right? 
agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Doesn't work. So we have to reduce emissions from the food system. So they're asking you, that giving us that 30% again, that it is a choice between the warming of the planet or feeding the planet. And they say, if the planet warms, you can't feed it. So we have to reduce all of the admissions, he said 33% of all farming. Now, I, 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 I'm, I've read enough, I'm not an expert on this, but I, have anybody considered how many people will go hungry in the race to eliminate 30%? Did they factor in how many ranchers and farmers will be forced into poverty? Have they thought about the ramifications of something that has taken us thousands of years to perfect, to change it in a four-year period? Just the colossal a little mistake here, a little flaw here, this part doesn't work. The entire chain falls apart. Now, the Great Reset is not original. It has been tried countless times before. This is where the phrase, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it, comes in. Um, the, the reason for this massive power play is always different, but the playbook, and most importantly, the results are always the same. Look at the current globalist, the playbook from Davos. They are suggesting we redesign society by completely upending industry, change from capitalism to something entirely new that is literally, look it up, it is the definition of fascism without the camps or anything else. It is a public-private partnership where the government tells the businesses exactly what they have to do. And if you don't do it, you're out. Now, they're encouraging and enabling migration and the movement of peoples, millions of people. It's not just on our southern border. It is throughout the entire West. They're also targeting life-sustaining essentials like food and energy. And just like energy, as we're seeing now with electric cars, it sounds good, but can you prove it on a small scale first, please? It sounds familiar, but the Great Reset has been uh, known by many different names. The Soviet Union actually called it the Five-Year Plan. Here's a propaganda poster that was to commemorate their smashing success by completing the Five-Year Plan in just four years. Have you ever heard the term two plus two equals five? That's where this comes from. The actual truth was, in reality, the truth was just as inaccurate as that equation. The Soviets proposed a complete overhaul of industry. They wanted to centralize all of it and run it by experts. They upended and moved populations en masse. Then they targeted food and energy. And when it didn't work the first time, they killed the farmers and got the experts to actually farm. Does any of this sound familiar? This, unfortunately, was the result. An estimated 4 million people starved to death 
in the Ukrainian famine. It's called the Holodomor. And actually, the four million were being generous. It's an estimated four million. That's the bottom estimate. The top estimate is 10 million within one year. But wait, the death toll gets better. Actually, I mean worse, but you know what I mean. The, the Chinese called their version the Great Leap Forward. It's the same thing. Here's the propaganda poster that shows how great life would be after the Great Leap Forward. Everybody is supposed to be happy and look, we eat plenty of food. Like the Soviets, Mao proposed a complete overhaul of industry from the top down. The government would understand how to do it better. They upended and moved entire populations en masse, and they targeted food and energy. The results in China? 30 million people starved to death. Today, the propaganda posters look a little different. Here it is on a global stage. And here it is at home. But never forget, the results are always the same. All throughout history, the pain always materializes in the same places first. So who will be the first to suffer if Build Back Better and the Great Reset continue and it fails? Will it be the mega city of 8 million, or will the first be the small farming community of southern Idaho? Will it be from the posh mansions of Martha's Vineyard, or will the pain be felt first by the border towns of Texas and Arizona? You know the answer. If you want to get the true pulse of our nation right now, you have to go to flyover country. That they don't hate Republicans or Democrats. They're, they don't hate America. They don't. A lot of people just feel like, can you just leave me alone? Go to places that have factories. Go to places that have farming and ranch fields. Go to the border towns. How are they feeling? They're starting to feel a little pissed off in those places because they're feeling it first. And this is not just in America. This is a global scale. Last month, French farmers showed up at the government buildings, burned tires in protest. Ranchers herded entire flocks into the streets. Likewise, German farmers have been protesting by the thousands. And this is just on the agriculture side of the Great Reset agenda. So this isn't about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, because it's happening throughout the West. Just this week, a massive protest broke out in Ireland over immigration. Most of the media called it a far-right protest. But did anyone actually bother to ask the average Irish citizen what they were most concerned about? Just like in America, masses of people that are unchecked, unchecked immigration, ranked number one as the issue they're most concerned with. Why? for the same reason we're concerned with it. It's not hate, it's not new people coming in, it's unchecked immigration. And at such a rate, it is collapsing the society and the civilization that is Ireland. 2024 will be the year of the little guy, it will be. It will be the farmer and the rancher and the small border town. It'll be the year of the trucker convoy and the border protest. Those are the people that will feel the pain first. Those are the ones that are beginning to rise up. And sadly, hardly anyone is paying attention because the mainstream media 
doesn't pay attention. No one will ask them, what are you worried about? What's happening to you and your family? What's happening to your farm, to your ranch? What are you seeing on the ground? And what happens to you if all of this continues? Coming up next, I'll show you exactly what is happening in Europe. They're slightly ahead of us. I'll show you what the European Union is doing, but also the parallel moves that are going on right now here in the United States. From the farmlands to the borderlands, the pain is here. And the only way to stop it is to understand why people are rising up in the first place. We do that next. All right, before I start this part of the show, I want you to remember what I showed you earlier. All throughout history, when food production is radically changed rapidly, when agriculture is disrupted, the end result is catastrophic. Europe has been doing this since the Paris Agreement in 2015. The United States would be now exactly where they are, except Donald Trump disrupted the entire shift. Now, fast forward to 2024. European farmers are so fed up that they are spraying government buildings with manure in protest. I hate this. I hate this. But is anyone listening? Have you seen any of this in any real detail on the mainstream news? Remember the, uh, what were they called? The Yellow Vest protests. The coverage was everywhere. It was on 24-7. Why such sporadic reporting on these farmer convoys and protests? Why doesn't the average American know what this is about? Why is no one in the mainstream asking them why they're leaving their fields to protest in the city? It gets a mere minor mention here in America, or you'll see crap like this. This is an article in The Guardian. It's published under opinion. It's the far right. The word diesel is only mentioned one time. Instead, the author's focus is on the headline. Is in his expert opinion, these farmers are, quote, being exploited by the far right. Wow, there he is. He cracked the code. Boy, it's, that's really hard. It's that evil far right running around farms and fields with megaphones and their brown shirts and their small funny mustaches. This isn't about Europe's crazy Agenda 2030 plan. No, it couldn't be. It's not about the price of diesel spiking through the roof or fertilizer becoming too expensive and unavailable because it's all being cut back or the fact that government regulators have had their heads half up the cattle's behinds listening for cow farts. No, it can't be any of those things. In Sweden, they're actually taking the farmers' farmlands. In case you don't know, the Netherlands is the breadbasket of Europe. Okay, so let me give the journalist of the world a pass here. It's not like Europe's radical assault on farmers and food is published online or anything. I mean, that would be nuts. Oh wait, actually, yes it is, directly from the European Commission. Here's their plan to completely upend food production. But it is all masked in words like to increase the resilience of agriculture and forestry against climate change. Okay, that's fine, but what are you doing? What are we trading off here? I want you to take a look at what's laid out under climate change and agriculture in the EU because it reveals everything on what the green agenda is really all about. 
They point out that agriculture accounts for 10% of the total greenhouse gas emissions in the EU. The next line lays out their battle attack plan for, in effect, a pseudo-nationalization of every industry and means of production in Europe. This is critical. This is where you have to understand. Communism, the state owns everything. Fascism is a public-private partnership. Now, they say farming emissions come behind energy. Wow, transport, residential, um, all kinds of different things, commercial. And then, finally, it's agriculture. They want direct government interference in basically every industry. There is nothing left. This is the 20th century fascism. And it has nothing to do with concentration camps. It has nothing to do with climate. This is a power play. So many people who are on the streets, I actually feel bad for people who actually believe in uh, Marxism or communism because I think they are, again, useful idiots. That's not who's going to control it. The left was right years ago, and I don't know why they see, don't see it now. It is about giant corporations and governments getting in bed with giant corporations. It's about seizing control and nothing else. But the problem for the modern fascist is the farmers are not ones who typically let anyone push them around. And that's why we're seeing farmers protest all over Europe right now. The EU's agriculture climate document goes on. And what I'm going to show you is what they say they're going to do. Sounding as benign as they possibly can, but what it really means. They talk about cracking down on two things. First, methane. This could be anything from the size of herds to the kinds of feed used to feed their herds. Just with this, it radically alters how much food is available, and it incurs new expenses that were not there previously. I don't know if you've met a farmer, but they're not usually flush with cash. Expenses that are already probably not affordable uh, and considering how high operating costs have, have gotten lately. More on that late, later. But first, anything that will control the cows from farting, they've got to bring the animal population down. The next thing they want to stop is nitrous oxide. This is where fertilizer comes in. But we know where uh, this leads to, and it leads to a full-on ban. It has to if they want to cut the emissions. Two years ago, this is what led to the absolute collapse of food production in Sri Lanka. This was supposed to be the model of the WEF and, um, and the climate change model. They forced harvests uh, at small farms. Uh, to go from around 60 bags of crops uh, uh, to uh, 10. It completely collapsed the Sri Lankan um, economy and their food system. It was immediately erased from all of the World Economic Forum and EU and everybody who's planning all of this. They went from everywhere, and we have all the documents everywhere, saying this is the model, to, uh-oh, holy crap, take it down. European Commission's plan for farmers include green direct payments, bribes for anyone that bends the knees. Listen to what they actually have to do to get this money. 
They have to maintain permanent grassland. In other words, farm less land, which means less food. This is what's going to happen with BLM land. And if you're out from the West, you know how important BLM land is going to be. It won't allow you to graze on it. Undertake crop diversification. Now, I'm sure as a rancher, uh, I, I know I never thought about, gee, yeah, wait a minute, I should not plant the same thing over and over. Of course not. Now the government is telling us how to rotate our crops. How on earth have these farmers survived literally thousands of years of experience without these European Commission experts? I don't know. And finally, they have to dedicate 5% of arable land to ecological focus areas. Again, less crops, less food. That's fine if you've come up with ways to grow more food with less. But by taking away your fertilizer, you're actually, fertilizer is responsible for about 40% of our crops. Without it, you lose 40%. Now keep in mind, in Europe, these are not suggestions. This document describes the monitoring process that how it will be deployed uh, and it will, it's all backed on a legal basis. If the media bothered to ask the farmers of Europe what they were protesting about, this is what they would tell them. All of these restrictions equal less food for people, but also the inability of farmers and ranchers to make a living for their own families. I want to stress to you that this doesn't have anything at all to do with the climate. It doesn't. What it's really all about is forcing the agriculture sector into a partnership with the government. Have you ever wondered why the biggest uh, ranch and, and farmland owner is Bill Gates and he suddenly got into that? Why? How come all of these gigantic companies are, are gobbling up all the farmland and we don't have local farms? This used to be called fascism. Now it's just called Build Back Better or the Great Reset or however else they plan to rebrand it in the future. But this is not just happening in Europe. We're just further, they're further along than we are. Joe Biden has recently stated that the farmers under his administration are thriving. But I know a lot of farmers. Uh, has he talked to many of them? Because they will tell you a very different story. They are on the edge. One Kansas farmer told Fox News they are, quote, now in survival mode. They listed the volatile market. Also, if this, see if this sounds familiar, the out-of-control diesel costs. Biden's Build Back Better has not only wreaked economic havoc on most families, you have to have diesel if you want something from another part of the world. Diesel moves ships. The ships carry cargo that it then, after it crosses the ocean, is put onto a train which runs on diesel, which is then put on a truck which runs on diesel. If you solve the diesel problem first, then we can stop using diesel. But until you solve that, you can't stop it. This is a, a, a stealth war on Americans and American farmers. Let me show you a graph on what inflation has done to operating costs on farms and ranches. 20% higher taxes, 35% higher for fuel, 
38% higher for livestock, 78% higher for fertilizer. Since Joe Biden became president, operating costs on farms have increased by $100 billion. I want to emphasize, however, this is not about Joe Biden. This is happening all over the world. The total cost for American farmers to raise crops and livestock is now a record high, $460 billion. Now, how are farmers who are on the edge already able to afford that? Well, maybe the better question is, is that the actual point? Do you want farmers in a no-win situation where the partnership with the government is the only option left on the table? And just like the EU, Joe Biden announced a bribe method to reel farmers in and ranchers in. Last November, Biden announced an over $5 billion package for rural communities. It's much of the same crap pushed by the European Commission that I just showed you. Uh, I'll have all of these documents up at glenbeck.com. Uh, you need to read all of them. Don't take my word for it. Do not trust me. I don't ask for your trust. This is what we have found. This is what we can prove to you is actually happening because we have the documents. But do your own homework. What's happening in Europe uh, will soon be our reality. The one thing that is missing is the compliance checks and the legal framework punishment. But that is also in the works. This is why farmers are rising up all over the world. As I showed you, people in Ireland are rising up over immigration as well. Consider how bad the economy might be right now with the average person. I think the economy is booming for people that have high salaries. When this insane high inflation really hits, people are hurting now. But believe it or not, polls show that the top policy concern for American voters is immigration. Why? Because they're connected. This prompted a European and Canadian-style convoy to, in their words, take back our border. By the time they reached Texas, the border convoy had grown to nearly 300 vehicles. Uh, I like the farmer movement in Europe. I wish they wouldn't destroy property. I don't think that's the way to go. But this border movement will continue to grow unless something drastic happens and fast. The border is absolutely out of control. And in the recent proposed bill in the Senate, it's a dumpster fire as well. I'll leave out the fact that it is tied to what equates as a massive war bill. Thank God it didn't pass. It's not the merits of immigration, it was war. This bill also would allow 8,500 illegals per day. It would subsidize sanctuary cities that have been abusing illegal immigration, uh, basically awarding those who have been breaking the law. Um, when it comes to immigration, securing the border, the truth is now painfully obvious. No one is serious about solving the problem. And I don't know why the states won't work together on this, because we're all in the same boat. But there's too much capital to be gained, political capital on both sides. And we are the ones that will suffer for it. Back in a minute. For decades, our southern border and immigration has dominated American politics, and for decades, no one seems willing to solve it. Kind of makes you wonder that the political capital uh, which is gained there, is anybody 
I mean, is anybody Republican or Democrat uh, ever willing to solve the problem or they like having it as a problem? The recent border bill proposed in the Senate, as well as the Republicans' failure to impeach Mayorkas, are prime examples of the status quo remaining in Washington. Nothing ever changes, and it makes you wonder, mm, is that the point? Meanwhile, those who are most affected, the people in the border states, and I, I, you know, I, I contend the people in New York City, they're seeing crime go through the roof. Um, you have crime in Chicago. Everyone is feeling this now. Joining me now is a man that has a front row seat to what's happening at the border, as well as in Washington, D.C., unfortunately, D.C. Congressman Chip Roy. Chip, welcome to the program. Yeah, which, which one is more chaotic and broken, the southern border or Congress? Congress, um, without a doubt. Let me ask you first. I think there's a disconnect in what uh, the two sides are talking about. One side is talking about secure the border. And what the president's been talking about is comprehensive immigration reform. And they're being presented as the same thing, but they're not. They're not. Am I, is there anything to that? Am I right on that or wrong? Well, I think that's a little bit of it. I mean, that, that's where the Democratic Party always wants to go. Uh, frankly, that's where the Uniparty right. and Republicans and the Chamber of Commerce Republicans want to go. And they did that a little bit in this Senate bill, right? There were 250,000 visas over five years, 50,000 a year added, which is quite a bit. And then there were 250,000 work permits for children of people who have come here before. So about 500,000 would get put on a fast track. And then it had obviously no security. Let me pause for one minute, though, and say the very positive outcome of what we had last year in our fight over the speaker and then forcing us to actually do the hard work of legislating and amending and going through the process, listening to conservatives, H.R. 2 is a border security only bill. And we've reset the conversation so that even the Senate product was having to just beg to add in those provisions for additional visas. Remember that, go back to the Gang of Eight 10 years ago, you know, and all of these past efforts in 2018 even, they always included amnesty for DACA, like a million, two million amnesty, even President mm -hmm. Trump, right? 1.8 million amnesty in 2018. Mm -hmm. These are all things that always get stuck in there. We managed to keep this fight mostly on our side of the field. Unfortunately, what they tried to do in putting this bill together was they, they wanted to pull the wool over everybody's eyes and say that it was a border security bill and that it would work, and it wouldn't. It, in fact, it would cement into policy the mass migration policies with a 5,000 uh, a month throughput, a day, I'm sorry, 5,000 a day throughput, which is like 1.8 million a year. And that doesn't even count unaccompanied alien children. That doesn't account for the $1.4 billion they would give to NGOs to continue to perpetuate this mess. The $4 billion they would use to stack with leftist so-called asylum officers that would process these people. And they would put in codification, they would codify uh, what they call uh, alternatives to detention. So they wouldn't detain people when they hit a wall, they would just release them, but they just make it sound pretty. So it was bad, it was a bad deal. We should oppose it. Um, and I'm glad it, it died, I think, today in the Senate this afternoon for at least the first round of voting. So um, let me go back. I, I think both sides, I mean, not in Washington. People who not playing politics, just leave me alone, just put your head down and work kind of people. Both sides, Republicans and Democrats, I think see this as a major problem uh, because it's affecting our schools, it's affecting our communities, 
and you don't have to hate anybody or you know want everybody to come in. You can see this is not working because it's happening way too rapidly, even if you're for um, legal, immig uh, legal immigration. Um, what are the politicians thinking in Washington? How, how are they not seeing that people on both sides are looking at our open border and soon uh, our security? Because I'm telling you, you know this. We have people coming in that wish us ill. The next time there's a massive uh, security problem in America, all of you guys are going to be held uh, responsible for it. And I don't think it's going to go well. Yeah, Glenn, look, I, I couldn't say it any better. Uh, and I want to clarify, right? So what we're experiencing right now, when you say both sides, there are multiple sides to this, as I know you would agree. The radical left, yes. which basically controls the Democratic Party, almost down to the last vote. I don't know many of members of the Congress and the Democratic Party that have broken from the radical left. That radical left Correct. is hell-bent on flooding the zone with people from all over the world and all walks of life when we have 50 million people in the United Correct. States who are foreign-born, 16% of our population foreign-born. They have 20 million kids. That means they're an increasing almost quarter of our population. Never before in our history has it been that many. They're flooding the zone with millions now a year on purpose. By the way, go look at the charts. 20 years ago, almost all people from Mexico, all people just across the border who wanted to work, still broken, still bad, yeah. but, but that's not what it is now. As you know, you've right. talked about this to all of your listeners, China, all over the world, dangerous places, 331 people affiliated with terrorist organizations that we know of that we've encountered under this Biden administration compared to only 11 under Trump when good people at DHS were doing their part to try to stop the flow. This is purposeful. So now that's the radical left. The conservatives, we just want to follow the law, secure the border, stop the flow, and restore sovereignty. We're on the side of, you know, angels on this. There's the middle chunk that we call the uniparty, and that's mostly Republican. Because like I said, the Democrats are captured by the radical left. Mm -hmm. The uniparty mm -hmm. Republicans, the Chamber of Commerce Republicans, who always want to their cheap labor, who want their big defense contracts and big spending bills, they're fine with yeah. cutting deals in order to perpetuate immigration so, for cheap labor. So we're trying so to let squeeze me ask you, that you, you, out. Right. And is that, I mean, you, you couldn't get, I don't mean you, but the yeah. Republicans couldn't get an impeachment of Secretary uh, Mayorkas, who is so clearly, he's been telling us for four years there's not a border problem. Now there is a border problem, and, and you can't even impeach him. It's the so, clearest uh, impeachment I've ever seen. Well, Glenn, let me allow, you and I share our frustrations that we do it together on this, and your listeners listen. Let me, let me try to take our mutual cynical hat off for one moment, because I'm as frustrated as you yeah. are. But consider this. We have 215 Republicans voting yesterday, Steve Scalise battling cancer at MD Anderson. 212 of those 215 voted for the first time in 147 years to impeach a sitting cabinet official. That is a big damn deal. We need to do a better job of the whipping and we need to bring the vote back down. We need to not lose the three. We probably still will. Get Steve back and jam this through so that we can ensure that history will reflect he violated his oath and he endangered Americans. We need to do yeah. that. But it is a big deal right. that 212 of the 215 voted that way. That's not the Republican okay. Party of 10 years ago or 30. On border stuff, 
Well, I'd, li I'd, li <laughs> I'd like that to advance a little faster. Uh, I, I'm so, say so sorry to say this to you, Chip, but I've only got two minutes and I've got a couple okay. of questions I have to ask. We're on the, okay. we're on the same side here, um, yep. uh, you know, just frustrated. Um, yep. The Biden administration is now blaming uh, the Republicans and Donald Trump now. He said all of the border issues are now on Trump. Is that what this was really all about? Was this a game just to try to be able to shift the narrative of the border? No, uh, look, so I think Democrats were perfectly fine to set this up to, uh, they didn't care if it passed. What they wanted to do was be able to have it fail or pass, they didn't care, and be able to point to Republicans if it failed to cover for the fact that Biden has created open borders. Right, okay. It's very clear it was political okay. on them. Uh, in the meantime, okay. sure, President Trump, he's happy to run on it, but you and I both want to pass something yeah. now. Yeah. So I'm going to keep fighting to pass something now, and Republicans should. Okay. So let me take you back to December. Members of the Biden administration, Secretary Blinken, traveled to Mexico to discuss the border. An agreement was made, but we don't know what that agreement was. And I think that is honestly why we have seen a downtick yeah, on the numbers right. on the border, not necessarily what Texas did. What did we agree to? What did we give up? What's happening? Yeah, that's one of the things we're trying to get information on. Our probably mutual friend, you probably know Todd Benzman down in Austin, fellow Texan, he's written yeah. extensively about this, about what we believe is an agreement that has reached to hold those numbers down, particularly heading into the summer and the fall. Some of what's going Correct. on in Texas, Eagle Pass, is helping drive those numbers down and reshift the traffic right. to Arizona and California. But Overdoor, I think, gets the joke. They're working with this administration and will, just like I bet you interest rates will probably go down later this year. Uh, they want that to get to the place where they can be able to keep Biden in place because it's good for what they're trying to do. So we, we need to find out what the agreement was, but it's very clear that right. there's some agreement going on. Yeah, and that's uh, really, I mean, it makes no sense because if you're doing something that is actually bringing down, you have an agreement, you should announce that. So what was agreed to? When is it over? What are the conditions and what have we given up? If, Please yeah, I believe try to find that answer. We'll continue to do it, too. Yeah, I believe it's a political agreement. I think that's what it's all about. I think we need to get to the bottom of it. But Republicans have got to stay focused on get, yeah. getting structural change and permanent change to secure the border. And we should keep doing that now. Chip, thank you very much. This whole thing Thanks. is about politics. As I have told you before, th there are more people that are up for election globally in the West than ever before in human history. Everything is being done to get your vote now. Uh, and the last one, I think, is, you know, uh, maybe America. Many of these elections happen over the summer. Back in just a minute. COVID restrictions in Canada led to one of the most famous protest convoys in recent history. The Canadians um, experienced something they had never seen before. Now the green agenda in Europe has sparked massive farmer and trucker convoys in places like the Netherlands, France, Germany, uh, Italy. Now here in the United States, immigration, immigration um, is top of the list. and. Uh, that influenced the Take Our Border Back convoy that began in Virginia, across the United States to the southern border. Blaze believes that we are in the business of 
docu um, documenting things. So our Blaze Originals documentary team embedded with the convoy. Honestly, when we started, we all talked. We don't know if these guys are good guys or bad guys. Are they violent or nonviolent? We wanted to document. Well, it went to Eagle Pass, and uh, we got the true story on what was happening. My head writer and chief researcher, Jason Buttrill, traveled with the team and joins me now. And Jason, when you got back, I think you were more depressed than anything else because you said to me something along the lines of, all the world is but a stage. Mm. Everything that you saw was a show. Everything. True? Yeah, absolutely true. I mean, everything from the convoy, the way the media was portraying it to, or as, was a show. Um, wasn't ex at all um, what that was all about. Um, everything that was going on in Eagle Pass and Shelby Park, you know, the ground zero for, you know, quote-unquote Civil War 2.0, where all these Republican governors are right. joining in with uh, Governor Abbott, that appeared to be a show. And that was what was the most shocking to me. I could not believe what I was seeing and what we figured out the more you know, we investigated and looked at the actual true situation on the border. Glenn, there are so many things that are going on right now um, down on the border. We, you know, there, there's, a, there's a secret agreement that happened down in Mexico that not a lot of people know about that I hadn't really heard about until so, I went down there. So we were just talking to Chip Roy about it. He knows about it too, but again, if it's effective, why wouldn't you announce that? Well, so do you have any clue as to what that is? Well, I mean, when you, when you take a look at, you know, back in December, that was when I think there was around 303,000 border uh, encounters. Um, many mm -hmm. of them were coming right through Shelby Park and Eagle Pass right there. Um, the optics were horrible, especially in an election year. Now, <laughs> the Democratic Party has got a problem because their base— you know, their hardcore base is probably like, yeah, let them in, you know, like, let's, let's continue the way we're going. They're the same people that are protesting, you know, yeah. at, at Gaza, you know, protests. Um, they don't exactly want their base to know that there are diplomatic ways that they can stop this. And they surely don't want them to know that we, in fact, did negotiate a deal that halted much of the, uh, of the foot traffic. Now, the foot traffic was pr um, primarily halted by the time um, Texas, you know, did their thing and seized control of that park. Um, there wasn't that many encounters after, after that agreement happened in, I think, late December. So there's a lot of subterfuge going on. There's, there's a whole lot of secrets, and nobody is really, really willing to describe what actually happened. Now, by and large, that is still going on right, right now in Eagle Pass. They're still making a spectacle just Sunday. A lot of governors went down and, you know, confidently said that we're, we stand with Governor Abbott. Well, I'm curious what the actual stand is right now, because when I was there, at least at that location, there's not really a whole lot of uh, illegals coming across the border. So does this go into what we talked about a couple of weeks ago? We did a show on uh, just all the stats and why things are happening in the world. And one of them was more elections happening this year um, all around the West than ever before in human history. I mean, it was staggering when you saw the, the, the chart of elections. Yeah. And this is what um, has people spooked who are in power. They're trying to make sure, just kind of shove everything and get it quiet so we can get elected one way or another. Yeah, I, I keep on going back to some of your old Fox uh, shows where you were you know, exposing the Cloward <laughs> Piven strategy. 
And I'm almost like thinking that almost seems exactly what's going on right now because they are overloading the system, whether it's economically, whether it's through immigration, whether it's through pick your, you know, your topic. That's what's happening, Glenn. That's what's happening right now. And I don't know. I feel like it's maybe happening too rapidly and they don't want to expose everything right off the bat. That's kind of what it feels like right now. Slow it down a little bit. You know, of course, we want to collapse the system, but not so fast, not during this election year. Um, I think it's not only Cloward and Piven, the strategy of, you know, overwhelm the system, um, uh, but it is also uh, overwhelming our, our cities in crime. And that's the thing. Oh, yeah. I, I just don't know how long it will last. You see some of the stuff that's coming out of New York now. I mean, I saw a woman, some, and they're gangs. They're migrant gangs that are, are stealing people's phones. And this woman had her purse and her phone. They grabbed it, it was over her neck, and they dragged her down the street. Um, We're seeing things that we've not seen before here in America, and I just don't know how long that lasts before everybody says, enough is enough. Yeah, what does that look like? That that video looked exactly what you would see going on in like Venezuela or something like that. That's that's what it looks like, insane. Okay, Jason, thank you very much. We'll look for the Blaze documentary coming out soon from New Haven, Connecticut. Good night, America.